Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to yet another episode of World Forge. How y'all doing this week? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hi. What's going on? Hi. <laughs> uh, Piper. Sam. How are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I had a birthday this weekend. Yes, you did. That so, was why I asked how you were doing. Yeah. I, I normally don't ask that of you. <laughs> it was my birthday, and I had a really good time, actually. Um, I'm now 26 years old. 26. Holla. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a really good time, despite, you know, quarantine and all that jazz. Uh, we still found lots of ways to get outside yeah. and, and eat at nice restaurants. And a lot of, like, a good handful of some of my very close friends, they joined us for a social distancing sort yeah. of picnic party that we did at the park i feel like uh, it's which the, was fabulous it, it was the kind of thing that if someone from you know five years in the past walked into that park and saw what was going on there they would have been like what is this a bunch of people like sitting, like sitting in like camp chairs all 10 <laughs> feet away from each other yeah. <laughs> with a big pile of like backpacks and beer in the middle of it. it was a strange little a little setup there but it was a lot of fun it was really nice to get to see our, our friends again it was super fun we had <laughs> drinks we had food we threw around a frisbee there were kids in the park who were flying kites overhead and we're like wow it's like so whimsical yeah so it was really nice and then we had a bonfire with my parents after yeah. and they gave me a vacuum cleaner <laughs> hooray an amazing present so that's how we know piper has crossed the threshold into true adulthood is that she got excited about a vacuum cleaner as a gift which i also would have been very i am i am equally excited about that because i will also get to use that nice new vacuum i cannot wait well it wasn't just a vacuum it was a dyson yes and that's a big deal so thank you it's almost like we're married or something and we got a wedding grift but yeah that was great sure yeah it it was uh very much appreciated uh so yeah that's that's been our weekend here it's been nice i i feel um i feel rested i feel relaxed i'm glad for you i feel ready to build yeah ready let's to do world it build. yeah oh my god sam okay so we have been binging uh a tv show recently yes that i am absolutely obsessed with yeah and that is where i got the idea today when you were like <laughs> what are we gonna talk about this episode yeah. and i was like how about gangsters and organized crime because we've been watching uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yes. And I am in love with this show right yeah. now. It's it's really, really good. Um, it was an HBO show that uh, premiered a couple of years ago originally. I think it was like 2012 or something like that when it first came out. And uh, it's about the Prohibition and mm-hmm. Atlantic City and how Steve Buscemi plays the treasurer of Atlantic City who kind of controls everything and everybody from behind the scenes. And yeah. he's, you know, fabulously rich and fabulously corrupt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I exactly. think it's a really, really cool portrayal. There's a lot of real life uh, figures that appear, Al Capone, Lucky, say, Lucky yeah. Luciano, mm-hmm. a lot of these really, really cool characters. And it's cool to see how they all sort of interact in this heightened, fictionalized way. Well, one of the really interesting things about including a character like Al Capone in this show is that I feel like whenever, when most of us hear about Al Capone, we think, you know, oh, one of the greatest, you know, gangsters of yeah. American history. But he's in the so show, great. he's very much still <laughs> a small fry. He's, yeah. you know, just starting out. And he, in season one, is 
a kind of a, a goof up and he makes a lot of these like silly mistakes. Yeah. And he actually has, that's a big part of his arc is that he starts to mature and become more serious. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting to see him being such a small fish in this otherwise pond full of like huge sharks. Exactly. That are like kind of controlling this organized syndicate. And, and, and mostly just doing wet work and like muscle work for other bigger guys yeah, yeah completely so i really like their the writer's decision to include him that way in the show and For who sure. knows obviously where it'll be we're only yeah. we've only who seen up to <laughs> i mean i've seen it before but <laughs> well i've only seen up to season two thus far um so we won't talk about spoilers in the show but yeah. we will be talking a lot about some of the different like prominent characters yeah. that we've seen thus far yeah. through season one and two i i think something that is really nice too about just to touch on you know, you mentioned how the implications of including a real life character like Al Capone in your story. And I think that's something that can be really interesting and really valuable as a dungeon master or a storyteller is to include real life concepts or characters that are very clearly based on a real life person or place or thing, because you sort of get a freebie of all of the, the luggage that's attached to that character. You know, yeah. if you have somebody whose name is, you know, Bal Jabron or whatever, people are going to know, well, that clearly is inspired by Al Capone, and they're going to have similar expectations as to how they will act. That's uh, clearly the connection yeah. they'll make? Yeah, Because I was literally, you Bal said that, Jabron. and I was like, what is this, the origin of the Jabroni? Yeah, <laughs> like, well, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone knows that Al Capone was the original Jabroni. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't... Piper, don't fact check me on air. How rude. <laughs> I'm not fact checking. I'm just saying that's not where my mind went. I thought you were going to say like, oh, and then your party meets King Arthur. And like, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking totally. like, well, was, how you know, can you bring can, these characters in? You can be as overt or as veiled about it as you want. But I, I think that's kind of a nice thing. And it's something that a lot of times when I'm making fully homebrewed worlds, I tend to shy away from that. I usually discourage my players from uh, naming their characters after uh, you know, their favorite anime character, their favorite, you know, video game character, <laughs> or their favorite whatever, because I don't always like having those those sort of outside expectations coming in and affecting the way that people view things in the world that I'm building. But sometimes if you want a little shot in the arm, uh, <laughs> you can sort of utilize those that that sort of baggage that's attached to these characters, which I think can be really valuable. <laughs> and what is your character's name? Well, my character's name is Pikachu Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly. And I don't know everything I need to know about Pikachu Naruto, <laughs> just based on the name alone, obviously. Yeah. is going to be an annoying little, little ninja with spiky, dumb blonde hair uh, and probably will shoot lightning bolts at me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's a fun thing to <laughs> to utilize it's, it's a nice little tool to kind of keep in your tool belt i think totally meanwhile there are probably five D players out there right now who are like hey wait a minute that's my character's name <laughs> hold on <laughs> completely accidentally of course of course yeah. yes well uh what uh, what's something that you really like about boardwalk empire Piper? oh my gosh i want to get your take on this and i want to sort of lay the foundation for why we used this to build our topic for this week. Because totally, of, yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, I think my favorite thing about this show is that every other character is a total badass. And oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's something that I find very interesting because I feel like as a creative writer and someone even like making up things for different like role play settings, I feel like it's risky to have a cast that's all super capable characters yeah. who are all the best at what they do because that it feels as if you're almost going to, you know, 
run into, oh, this is too cliche. These guys are all Mary Sue's. Yeah. They're all so yeah, great. It, it can cheapen it. It can make it seem not interesting that they're all so capable. Yeah. Exactly. And yet, Boardwalk Empire is a show that is able to introduce to us again and again, like, here's a character, and guess what? They're a total badass, yeah. and you don't want to mess with them. And every time they do it, it makes sense, and it's acceptable. And I think one of the reasons why it comes across that way is because I've said something similar when I talk about Westerns and about how everyone who exists in the West has to be tough because that's the environment that produces characters like this. Yeah, yeah. You have to be this tough to survive here. And so that's why it kind of works and makes sense that in this sort of gangster prohibition setting, you know, every character that's notable, it, you know, comes onto the scene. It's like, oh, you think you're the toughest guy in the room? Guess what? Yeah. I'm the toughest guy in the room now. And it's because from where they came from, they had to beat everyone else down to become this individual. For sure. And there's a lot of instances of that because we have a lot of these kind of communities who are all sort of coalescing and coming yeah. together. And each one has somebody or multiple people in it who have fought tooth and nail to survive and become, yeah. you know, the cool cat on the scene. I, and I love that the contextual justifications of all of this. I think yes. it's important to when you are building really badass characters like this for your games, if they are, you know, the person that controls this entire town through shady behind the scenes dealings, it should make sense. Something in their past or in their history should should justify their ability to do this, you know? It Absolutely. should be that they grew up on the streets rough and tumble and they had to learn to get by or, you know, maybe their maybe their parent was uh, in a similar role and passed down all these skills to them or maybe that's just the way the world works here, that yeah. you just have to be like this or nobody can get by. I think those are really important considerations and I think something that that I really like about Boardwalk Empire that it does well is the way it explores these really badass traits in different characters, mm -hmm. it it does in a different way with every one of them. Yes. So I, something that I really wanted to talk about this week is um, leaders who rule through fear mm -hmm. versus through um, money, through respect. physical – Yeah, through respect, through physical strength, through charisma. Yeah. I think all of these types of things are looked at in this show really, really well. Like one of my favorite examples is the um, – uh, the the butcher character who mm -hmm. the first time you see him he just seems like he's this kind of friendly like Russian guy and he, you know he's very charismatic and he's very charming but the whole time you're talking to him he's just got this giant knife that he's just casually sharpening and he's not he's not doing it to menace you he's doing it because that's just his job but you kind of wonder there's this tension it's like Oh, is he going to put the knife down? Is yeah. That's like a little threatening. Like, I think that's really, really cool no, compared I've... to someone like Nucky, who mm -hmm. just is a smooth talker who can convince anyone to do anything for him. He doesn't have to get his own hands dirty. Well, absolutely. No, yeah. that's actually something that I think is so so many Horovitz, yes. this butcher character yeah. that we've been talking about here. Um, one thing that I like so much about him that you kind of just touched on is that he, from the beginning, is presented as very much this kind of blue collar sort of yeah. like mob boss and where we have Nucky on the other hand is very much kind of a white collar guy yeah. who he sits behind his desk and he you know interlopes with all of the politicians and yeah. he has everything kind of like waterfalls down he's paying the line. everybody off he's having everybody he's delegating exactly his crimes yeah. but when horovitz is first introduced you know we see him in his little modest butcher shop that he runs and yet we also see that he's somebody who's very hands-on and i commented on this actually yeah. in a scene in which um, he, this, I don't think this really counts as a spoiler, but there, there's some point in the show or the plot where Horovitz por partners up with, um, uh, Jimmy yeah. and they're like going to be intercepting, uh, this like 
uh, caravan of alcohol that's coming into someone yes. else's turf and they don't want that to be a thing. And I was very surprised to see Horovitz right there with them. These otherwise yeah. kind of grunt workers. But he's like, no, I'm going to see this job through. That's the kind of business that he does. Yeah. But Nucky is someone who always, he has underlings who takes care of things yeah. from afar. And so we have these two very different people from different backgrounds, I think, that are, they they run their operation very differently, but they're both equally very dangerous men yeah. for very different reasons. Nucky is connected where Horovitz will, you know, grab you and murder you yeah. or do worse, you I, know? I think there's really interesting visual storytelling there too, because you never really see, N Nucky Thompson is the treasurer of Atlantic City. He's the character played by Steve Buscemi, the main character, right? Um, you never see him dirty he always has a you know a clean well-pressed suit on he's always you know dignified standing up straight the first time that you see manny horvitz his hands are literally dirty you know well and, covered in blood yeah yeah exactly covered yeah. in blood I, I think that's a really interesting visual cue that they give you immediately that you know this guy is not afraid to literally get his hands dirty which i think is a really cool thing if you're trying to introduce a character that you want people to be afraid of that's a great way to do it is introduce them while they're doing something that can be you know construed as really really terrifying that it's not a huge leap to say well this guy he's a butcher what other kind of person would you call a butcher? A guy yeah. who murders, a guy yeah. who kills. Like that's, I think, a brilliant piece of visual storytelling there. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And actually, this is kind of a good segue into one of the notes that I made that I want that I really wanted to talk about because what we're going to be doing this episode is we're going to be coming up with our own individual uh, sort of crime organizations, yeah. our different like two different mob groups and yes. how they may you know conflict with one another. Yeah. And so one of the things that I was jotting down uh, in my notes is that there there are several different like groups of power that kind of appear in the show Boardwalk yeah, Empire. Yeah. And I thought it's really interesting sort of their backgrounds and their approaches to things. And so I kind of, I made some notes about this. And so we have at one point in season two, there's kind of these different sects that have emerged. Yeah. We have the Commodore and mm -hmm. all these old white men who built Atlantic City. And the now, old guard. Exactly. Yeah. They're mostly feeble and wheelchair bound. They were the ones who originally built up the city, but now they're sort of just trying to make things yeah. work from behind the scenes but it's not really there yeah. anymore they they sort of created the system that allows all of you know the mobsters who inherited the city to do what they're doing exactly you know, they they laid the groundwork for nucky thompson's character to come in and start doing it exactly because yeah. then next on my list i have nucky and all of these politicians that yeah. he has built up around him because he's kind of learned from the old guard he's like okay money is the answer and i know yeah. how to put money in the pockets of everyone that i want to do what i want and so that's kind of the second group then we have rothstein and what i kind of referred to as sort of like his big wig bosses up in new york and chicago yeah. Yeah. i feel like they're kind of more the old money but not so much like the the old guys that I was describing earlier. Yeah, but they're, they're other like established gangsters. I mean, I, well, I think exactly. they are, to me, I see them as very parallel to Nucky because they basically just do this. They have the same job that Nucky does, essentially. Right. They're just the lords of their specific areas. And yet I yeah. get the impression from the show, I feel as if the, you know, the crime syndicates from Chicago and New York, they've been around longer. I feel like Atlantic City and its crime scene has been, it's kind of newer on the front. Yeah. And I think Nucky is trying to build it up to be something equal to what these yeah guys have already like inherited or established i i would agree and, and i think probably the bit look not to turn this into a boardwalk empire analysis show like to get too deep into it but like i i think a big part of it is that 
um, Joe Torrio and Arnold Rothstein, these guys are actual like real mobsters mm-hmm. where somebody like Nucky Thompson, he has a political career mm-hmm. and he utilizes his political career to do crimes. It's not that he's a criminal first. It's right. that he's sort of taking advantage of a system, whereas someone like Arnold Rothstein is just a gangster and that's just what he does and he doesn't really hide it behind anything else as much in the way as as a character like Nucky Thompson does. Yeah. So, yeah, it is interesting to see the way they accomplish these goals really differently. Definitely. And then the last group that I kind of formulated is this idea of Jimmy, who is one of the other main characters, this much younger stock. Yeah. And his sort of like ragtag troop of hopeful usurpers. Yeah. Of all these kind of... All the assistants of all of these guys who are like, we want more. Well, exactly. (laughs) They're all the grunt men who have been getting their hands dirty for so long and they're like, why can't we do this? Like, we could take over from like these, you know, bigwigs who think they run everything. Um, so I just kind of liked like laying out all these different yeah. sort of groups and their backgrounds and their motivations. And the ways they all interact, you know, yes. they're constantly, these groups are overlapping and intersecting at all times. Yeah. Right. Cause I think that's something very important to take into account if you wanted to create a sort of syndicate or like mob situation within the game world that you are developing is yeah. to say, okay, do we have an old world? Like, do we have these old world leaders? Do we have this new like group on the rise? Like, where do these people come yeah. from and why did they do what they do? For sure. And and, uh, assuming that certainly they would all know each other, right? I mean, think about whatever industry you work in, right? If if you make D&D content on Twitter, think about all the people that you know on Twitter who do that. It would be ridiculous to assume that you wouldn't bump into somebody else who does the same job as you at some point. So it makes perfect sense that all of these criminals have probably worked together at some point or probably, you know, upset each other at some point because they've had conflicting goals. And I think the the complexity of those relationships is really interesting and something that that Boardwalk Empire touches on really, really well. I, I think it's also really cool to see how all of these characters at all of these different levels of this kind of hierarchy, um, each of them utilizes a different set of skills to get something done, but it's all part of a bigger machine, right? It's right. no one of these characters is accomplishing everything on their own. Even the crime lords mm-hmm. still rely on all of these other pieces in the machine that they are piloting, which I think is interesting. So that's another really important consideration, I think, is, you know, you can have a really badass character like, you know, like Strahd or something like that. But you have to consider the fact that there's also the people who, you know, built the castle that he lives in, that he rules over, you know, over Barovia from. And there's the people who, you know, work for him, who find information for him. And there's the people who, you know, there's, there's a lot of, wheels turning here um, which is really 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 cool to me well a lot of what we've seen and we've talked about this a lot in watching season one and season two of boardwalk is we've discussed a lot about how nucky thompson is an incredible character because he came from very humble origins but he's clearly someone who has always been observant and he's just been someone who he's seen how the world works and he knows how one must operate within this corrupt world if they want to have power and he's learned and he's built it up over time when we have these kind of newer groups that are arriving they're trying to be as powerful as him in no time at all and I think they don't understand the connections you have to build to get to that point we we made the uh, what I thought was a really funny comparison was that it's the DC 
uh, anime, DC yes. movie universe versus the Marvel movie universe, right? Right, Where exactly. The Marvel movies say, <laughs> let's establish all of the characters, let's slowly start to connect them, and then all of these big things can result from these meetings. Instead of just saying, exactly. well, we're going to do this today, and it's just going to start working right now. Now. <laughs> it's just going to go. give us money. <laughs> yeah, for sure, which is really, really funny to me. You have to start at the bottom and build your way up. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Sam, do we have other references that we want to talk about before we start making yes, our yeah, we own have, we have syndicates? a ton of cool references here that I wanted to touch on. We also had some cool listener uh, suggestions of cool bad guys and crime lords and uh, crime syndicates and things like that from uh, your stories and games that we wanted to touch on as well that I, I think are a lot of fun. But I'm going to start with one that I think is uh, really, really cool here is um, Frank Costello from The Departed. Uh, that's Jack Nicholson's character in The Departed, the, nice. the like mob boss that... Uh, Leonard, spoilers for The Departed. If you haven't seen it, it's been 14 years. You should go see it already. <laughs> but um, the the story being that Leonardo DiCaprio is a cop who they make it seem as though he fails out of the police force and becomes a criminal, but really he's acting as a mole for the police. And Matt Damon had the opposite story, where Matt Damon was basically a criminal who was raised by Frank Costello and put him through police training and had him be a mole for. The criminals in mm-hmm. the police force and they're basically both trying to find each other and it's this cat and mouse story right mm-hmm. and i think the really interesting thing about frank costello is his story is the story of a man who's slowly unraveling due to like paranoia because he knows that there's somebody in his organization that he can't trust but he can't figure out who it is mm-hmm. and at the beginning of the movie he's you know he's never really clean cut and put together but at least he's you know mostly there And by the end of the movie, he's completely lost his mind and he's like, you know, freaking out and just like doesn't trust anyone and he's being so paranoid. And I think that paranoia is kind of a natural, um, a natural product of like late stage uh, criminal enterprising, you know, eventually you're going to have so many enemies that you're going to be looking over your shoulder at every turn or you're going to be killed by somebody. Definitely. Um, which I, I just, I find to be such a fun spiral in, in that story. <laughs> uh, it's it's great. I think one thing that has always been so appealing to me and I have to assume is appealing to, you know, the mass audience about yeah kind of like mob and crime related films because they always do well. I mean, the uh, the Godfather and every yeah. other like, yeah. you know, Get Shorty, all of that stuff, you know, all this organized crime. I think one of the things that is so appealing about it is that oftentimes these very powerful men who operate underneath the law, they often have this kind of facade that they're just like, oh, like that's 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 Timmy at the butcher shop or whatever. Yeah, or like, they, they have or that's, to be that's Alex at the, at the you know, call, whatever. Yeah. They're always so like founded in their community. And that's the yeah, thing is that the yeah. people in their community, no one turns them into the police because they're like, yeah, they do crimes, but they help us out because sure. the government's not going to do that. And for these sure. guys are making things go, they're making it work out for us. It's sort of the Robin Hood approach where you're kind of uniting. Maybe you're doing crimes, but while you're doing it, you're also uniting everyone against a a common enemy, a bigger enemy, or what can be maybe uh, spun to seem to right. be a bigger enemy. Yeah. And it's oftentimes, I mean, reflected at least in American cinema as different uh, minority groups like Italians yeah. or uh, Irish um, communities. Yeah, And sure. so I think that's something that might be interesting to take into account when trying to build something out similarly for your D&D world or your yeah. role play world is to say, okay, why would this 
organization found like start in the first place like is it a group of people who are otherwise um kind of pushed put down by yeah. the larger governing society and they decided to take you know justice into their own hands and run these things for whatever reason um i think that's something from real life that you could take to really influence your sort of world building that you decide to create i agree i i think it's important to consider again like we said kind of the contextual factors right like if orcs and humans and elves don't get along Mm -hmm. you know would they form organizations where they kind of band together against these other powerful forces as sort of a defense mechanism or what they view as a defense mechanism against you know the other races that are out there that are trying to you know trying to hold them down or trying Mm -hmm. to trying to stop them trying to oppress them whatever Uh, I think that's interesting. I also want to note um, so I (laughs) Frank Costello the character from The Departed um, there's a real life gangster named frank costello just by coincidence shares the same name so to clarify is it coincidence yes it is coincidence i actually looked that up before we were doing this because i i was like "Ah, frank costello i want to just like refresh my memory on like you know some of the details about him uh and there is a real life character named frank costello who just coincidentally is uh shares a name it's not uh, inspired at all interesting uh, by by him but i thought that was kind of yeah i thought that was interesting too that is cool um do you got a got one for us here piper yeah so um i mean if we're talking about gangs and mobsters uh it's hard not to reference gangs of new york i mean oh, of course we've already talked yeah. about one infamous butcher but also bill the butcher yeah famously one of the greatest villains of all time but one of the things i'm not going to talk about bill because we already talked about him a lot on our um villains versus heroes episode yeah. But one thing that I really liked uh, that was kind of touched on in Gangs of New York is this idea that the the sort of system that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is reintroduced to, you know, he's been away at the convent for a long time, uh, you know, being taken care of by the nuns, and he comes back to seek his revenge, and New York is different now than it was yeah. when he was a boy. It's reshaped itself under Bill's rule. But this idea that... Because, again, it's this this kind of crime that exists within the political system. There's a line that he talks about where every district had their own fire department. And whenever there was a fire set, the fire departments from different districts would come and they would fight with each other rather than fight the fire. (laughs) And it was all such like, you know, it had all these political undertones that like, you know, the guy who was running for mayor, he was like, oh, yeah, like this is my fire department and we're the ones helping you out. So vote for me. But and then, you know, they would set the... The other building next door like a blaze and be like go ahead and loot that building like don't worry about that one we're yeah. taking care of this one and it was like so much corruption and yeah. i just kind of love that idea that like there's just constant mayhem and panic yeah but and yet they have this understanding they in their minds they're like no 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 we have this all under control yeah you know we are we see to this side of the five points or the five fingers whatever it's called and like you have that section but sometimes they clash and this is what happens when that goes down I, i think it's an interesting thing too that sort of PR spin and propaganda is a really important tool of yes. people like this. You know, you want to say, well, we're the ones that put out the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys were messing around. Some other fire started in their district. You won't admit that you were the ones that started the fire in their district because, you know, that makes you look bad. But you will make it seem as though they can't control the fires in their district. Right. right? I, I think there's a, a lot to that as well. Um, I, I also I want to take a moment and just point out. Um, we're, we've mentioned here two, uh, Martin Scorsese films now. We've in <laughs> passing mentioned, yeah, we, in passing, we've mentioned, you know, The Godfather as well, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Um, if there is a, there are a lot of important mobster and crime movies and gangster films and stuff. If there's one we don't mention, 
we know. Like yeah. we, we know. Like we don't need to talk about the Godfather. We don't really need I mean, you know, we can talk about like Scarface and how sometimes your hubris will be your undoing and things like that, but we don't really need to talk about Scarface beyond that concept because mm-hmm. everybody knows Scarface. So, right. uh we didn't leave it out because we were unfamiliar. We didn't leave it out because we forgot. We just felt some of these aren't even necessary to talk well, about. Well, we can't They're talk so about well everything yeah. in the world. Yeah, so yeah, for don't sure. Don't worry about it. We're going to tell you <laughs> our sure. personal faves. For sure. Uh, that's a great one. I like that one a lot. Thank you. Um, so another one that I wanted to talk about that I think touches on another important thing that we sort of talked about this with Boardwalk Empire a little bit is the idea of rivalries between different groups and gangs. Uh, and obviously you just kind of highlighted that in Gangs of New York as well is – um, Gus Fring and the Salamancas from Breaking Bad and from Better Call Saul. And Definitely. the idea that they're both kind of working for the same parent organization. They're both supposed to be working for the cartels, mm-hmm. but they both have different aspirations within that that kind of bigger goal and that they don't trust each other and they don't like each other. And there's this fierce, intense rivalry because of old bad blood. That- and that they both are kind of butting heads while they're also trying to accomplish the same goal of making money by selling drugs. That narrative situation is so interesting because yeah. it's so clear that Gus Fring like wants to take down his rival, but they're like you said, they're underneath the same umbrella. Yeah. And so it's really interesting sort of the subtle back alley ways that he has to take to attack his enemy because he can't be like i can't attack you you know out in the daylight like full force because obviously then it'll be clear what i'm attempting to do i need to dissect you little by little so i can usurp you essentially and (laughs) and absorb your your merchandise and not make it appear as though i orchestrated that exactly even though i did you're playing true 10-dimensional chess here. <laughs> I mean, that dedication is intense. Yeah. And if you, if anybody listening is like, I'm going to incorporate something like that into my world, I'm like, bravo, like, yeah. go for it. That's it's a like, lot. It's wow. like we talked about last week with the Inception story that it's like, what a cool concept to have dreams within dreams and you have to, you know, build the world that's within the world and there's weird, and like, you know, sometimes there's like weird time travel stuff and like, if you want to include a really complex concept like that in your world, we would absolutely love to hear about it yes but also god help you yeah wow. you feel that you uh you want to take on something like that that's something that i think works better in a non-role play format yeah because you can you know control all the narratives when Mm -hmm. you don't have um you know free acting agents within your game who are not necessarily going to pick up on certain clues and they're going to try and take it someplace else so Um, but if you can successfully incorporate something like that, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. But these are all important topics, I think, just to touch on. I agree. Just to kind of, you know, sort of see if you can influence your narrative. Yeah. I also really want to mention, as long as we're talking about the Salamancas and Gus Fring, Fring um, we're watching uh, Better Call Saul. Actually, the, I think the final episode of Better Call Saul season four or five, whatever season we're on right now, premieres tomorrow night as we're recording this. So today, as you're listening to this, if you're listening on a Monday, mm-hmm. which you are because you're our our favorite fan, you <laughs> specifically, you uh, listening to this. Um, I have really, really been enjoying Lalo uh, Salamanca. I think he's such a fun character. And I think he he fulfills the really – one of my favorite criminal tropes is sort of the gentleman killer. Or oh, yeah. The gentleman Everyone criminal. loves that. Yeah, it's I, so good. I think it's so cool that he's just – he's so well put together and he always looks like he's in control and everything is just effortless to him. Mm-hmm. And he's so charming and suave. But – like that, he could just, you know, flip and 
you know, take you out with a box cutter or whatever, which is so cool. Well, I think that's really interesting because I feel like most, like a majority of the characters that we love in Boardwalk are that gentleman killer. For sure. But like, I think um, Lalo, he exists, he's sort of like an old soul in that way, that he has that old world charm about him. Where nowadays, like most of the people in the drug scene that we see in the modern setting of Better Call Saul is, you know, a lot of, they're pretty janky and beat up and like low brow and it's not very classy at all it's all very like rough and tumble and he's still someone who kind of holds on to that old world charm yeah like you get the impression that maybe he watched a lot of like classic cinema growing up or he was just raised by gentlemen (laughs) i don't know either one makes sense which is also i think very responsible of vince gilligan and, and the creators and writers of better call Saul and breaking bad to not glorify the effects of you know all these characters are really cool and you kind of want to root for them just because they're so cool Mm -hmm. but it's important that they also show the actions that they take have really serious terrible consequences for you know all of these people that are you know that are directly connected to them and indirectly connected to them so i think that's kind of an important thing that they do just as sort of like a social (laughs) responsibility thing is to show all of that but totally yeah that's that's another character that i've really been enjoying I'm ready to start creating, so if you want to do a quick lightning round. Yeah, I, I'm just going to buzz through the, the last couple that I have, and then actually I do want to talk about some of the uh, viewer uh, recommendations that we had as well, so we've got do a few of those. So, uh, the other boom, ones boom, that I wanted, to, I wanted to mention, we said Scarface, obviously. Uh, Job of the Hutt. Um, I think Job of the Hutt is an interesting one because the Hutt, yeah, the, well, boring. Piper doesn't care about <laughs> Star Wars here, but I don't. Uh, I think Job of the Hutt is interesting because he because he's a big worm. You have to ask yourself when you see Job of the Hutt. Why does anyone follow him? Like, if if you cross Jabba the Hut, it's not like he can chase you down and you know and attack you. He's on his. He's just a big worm stuck on his sail barge or whatever. Which I think is. I think that's just funny. But I've... he does have one of the coolest hideouts. Is yeah, his weird little like desert palace, and he's got all of he's you know like Mos Eisley Cantina, where all of his like nasty guys kind of hang out a lot of the time. I, I think he's interesting. I've said this to you so many times, Sam, where I've been like, oh my god, how did the Huts even get into power? Because they're just big fat worms, <laughs> and anyone with a bla- like a, a laser blaster could just go pew and shoot the worms dead, yeah. and be like, okay, we don't have to deal with you for anymore. Sure. I for all the Star Wars fans out there, by the way, like me, oh. I want to just uh, say I do not share. Piper's disdain for the huts. I, I mean, I think it's like silly and weird, but I enjoy Jabba the Hut. I'm a little offended that you booed me, Piper. Or I, I booed that. That's a, <laughs> he's a boring mob boss. Nah, he's great. Uh, I like, uh, I, I also wanted to talk about Alistair Tenpenny from Fallout 3. Um, he's the guy who just wants to blow up Megaton for no reason. He's just a rich guy who's got a tower that overlooks a janky city that he doesn't like. And when you meet him, he says, go blow up that city. That's really all it is. He's just a rich guy who wants to blow up a city. That's as pure of a, of a, evil uh goal as you can possibly have which i think is fun okay um and then obviously you know there's there's real people we have you know our el chapos and our pablo escobars people who are so fabulously rich that they could you know glue a horn onto a horse's head to create a unicorn for their daughter's birthday release hippopotamuses into central america (laughs) that still roam free and cause horrible havoc horrifying stuff uh and then also obviously like every james bond villain uh every you know spoofs of james bond villains dr evils there there are so many awesome examples out there of of all these things it's since just you just like as well shout out all these random dudes i'm also just going to mention for mm-hmm. the sake of it um frank d'amico from kick-ass 
Oh, uh, yeah, of I course. I personally love Kick-Ass. And one thing I love about Frank D'Amico is that he begins the story as a very, you know, high up, powerful, like, mob leader in which you ha- he has all these underlings that takes care of things for him. But as his, you know, team gets knocked out one by one, eventually he's the one who is, like, doing fisticuffs with the guys at the end because he's like, I yeah. have built myself up with these two hands and I will kill you with these two hands because you keep getting in my way. For sure. And I love the lengths that he goes to. Um, Yeah, the fact that he put somebody in a giant microwave and blew them up to get information out of them, pretty yeah. good. Pretty I, sweet. I think that's... I think... <laughs> We rewatched Kick-Ass recently, and I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. And it's I, a good movie. Yeah, I kind of pictured a, it in my mind as something that wouldn't hold up really well, but I enjoyed it on that revisit recently. So. I'd say definitely check out Kick-Ass again. Yeah, go check that out. Early Rec Room. It's fun. That should go on our bingo card. Early Rec Room. Early Rec Room. Yeah. Okay, so jumping into some of our listener recommendations here. We had some really cool ones, actually, that got me thinking about some fun ideas that I kind of want to utilize for maybe our creations a little bit here. Um, one that we got from uh, Starfinder Facts. That's at Starfinder Facts on Twitter. They said the mid-game villain who was running a mining operation uh, in their game, but was actually uh, importing kidnapped androids and brainwashing them into black ops super soldiers for hire and then using them to mine when they were not on missions. I think that's really interesting because I think that opens up a lot of kind of cool questions about um, like – AI rights and like AI identity and how they're just sort of being used for this criminal enterprise. And like, how do you identify if your identity can just be erased at, you know, the drop of a hat like that? And, you know, are in your world, are there lines drawn between, you know, naturally sentient creatures and AI and things like that? I think that's really, really uh, kind of a, a scary but fun thing to explore is the idea of who are the, their underlings? Are they people who are uh, volunteering to work for them and that, you know, think, well, I want to get into the game or are they people who are being kind of coerced into working for them for various reasons, yeah. uh, either because they're being brainwashed, you know, literally or figuratively, or because they are, you know, kidnapped and blackmailed or held for ransom or whatever and told that you can't escape unless you work for me. I think that was an interesting idea. I'm definitely glad to hear some sci-fi uh, yeah. voices in with this group. For sure. Uh, we also had, let's see... We had, oh, we had uh, Michael Pym, uh, at Pym underscore Michael from the Brothers Pym podcast, which we love. What up, Michael? Uh, He said, we had John Merle, a lowborn horse thief whose gang swelled during the Tartanian War and now dominates central Oma. Calm, collected, and polite to a fault, Merle's biggest clients are local lords with trouble in their lands that the law can't resolve. I like that as sort of an opportunist, Mm -hmm. and it also fits into that sort of the idea we talked about of like the gentleman... Uh, killer or whatever they're they're calm and polite and put together well that's, that's so neat that's such a foundation for the best villains are the ones that are most terrifying when they are calm and genteel yeah exactly. because then you know you're like oh shit like i'm never yeah. gonna see my daughter again <laughs> like this guy's gonna fuck everything up they don't have to act out to look tough you just know it because they have this natural like toughness of them yeah which um, is actually yeah. um there's a line so i'm a hardcore uh, Peter Pan fan, yeah. like the original novel by James Barry. Um, but he, there's a line about Captain Hook in that which says that Hook was never more terrifying when he was his most calm. Yeah, because then you knew that he was about to, you know, his eyes would turn red and he would gut you in a second. But yeah. I love that. I it's, think it's very great. cool. Uh, also, apologies 
listeners, if you were uh, hearing that car alarm for the last like 30 seconds going on there, I don't know if that came up on the recording. But, Probably not. Yeah, but there's a car alarm going through. It happens. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think Captain Hook is a... We know you love Captain Hook. I do. I love Captain Hook. Captain Hook's great. He's good. Uh, okay, one one more listener recommendation here. We got one from the Dungeon Manager. That's at Dungeon Manager on Twitter. Uh, Aurora Candlewick, the self-appointed Yuan-Ti boss of the Undercellar, conducting business within a perpetual zone of truth to ensure honesty from all parties. As of late, she has had to navigate her apolitical position in the city's underworld to pursue her own vendetta. I think the zone of truth idea there is so interesting hmm. that you know when you're around her it's impossible to tell a lie. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that can be mechanically explained in a lot of different ways, right? Whether it's someone that they're just so intimidating, no one would dare tell a lie in front of them. Or maybe it is of some magical provenance that there's a a spell they cast on you physically or that you just respect them so much because they're so charismatic, you wouldn't want to lie to them. Definitely. Yeah, I thought that was neat. That's very cool. Yeah. It, it, there are lots of characters, I think, in uh, like the show that we've been watching that – they're essentially human lie detectors, which For kind sure. of has that fantasy element to it, where it's For like, sure. you can lie, but I'm always going to know like what's going on behind yeah. your eyes. But, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Very those cool. were our really fun listener suggestions. We had a couple more, but these, you know, we don't have all night to go through these. So we want to thank everybody who shared all of your stories with us. We really, really enjoy hearing your feedback and your recommendations and the, you know, the stories from your games. That's always really fun to us and it helps us to build bigger and better. So uh, let's go ahead and get into our own creation here. So we're going to be building each of us our own crime syndicate criminal mm -hmm. organization mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, you know, a leader. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe why they're criminals, like what they do, like what they're trying to control, what their edge is, maybe uh, if they have a cool hideout. We're going to be establishing a lot of these things and we are going to use our, our patented prompt technology. Hell yeah, we, we are. We always use here. So, uh, Piper, why don't you roll out some prompts for us and we can go ahead and get started building. All right. So I've gotten the first prompt. Okay. I think I should go to you. Okay. Um, but before we start formulating, I want to just put a few things on the table. Yeah. Because I think it's very important to talk about when forming a crime syndicate. I think we need to establish, you know, who are the individuals involved? Yeah. What is their background? Yeah. What product or resource are they in control of? Because I think yeah. that's a big thing. Yeah, that, that's like I'm saying is like, what's the what's sort of their angle? What is it that they want to control or what is it they want to sell or whatever? Yeah, complete, right. I, I completely agree. Because in Boardwalk, it's all about the liquor because yeah. it takes place during Prohibition. Yeah. And so that's what they are in control of. But for there sure. could be other resources that a group is saying, you know, we're the ones who can get this for you and yeah. that's how we get our power. And, you know, maybe in a fantasy world, it's magic. Maybe some organization has the ability to control who can and can't use magic or you know maybe it's some type of like a stimulant that promotes the use of magic or something like that yeah uh maybe it's um you know something as fundamental as you know food or clothing it's some industry that they're trying to control that people have a basic need for this thing and they say well we can exploit this need it can also be a here. classic form of mob quote-unquote protection in yeah. which they come and they bust up your store and they say we won't do this again if you pay us money yeah and nobody else is gonna do it either because we're watching your back exactly yeah. it's like well, no we're taking care yeah. of you yeah no for sure okay so with all of those questions in mind uh sam your word is key key Ooh, i like this so you know, at first I, I was really thinking I wanted to go with something like the that sort of AI idea. Um, I thought it would be cool if there was 
a coalition of androids that were basically like proponents of AI rights. Um, I don't know how I can necessarily fit that into the the, the key idea is pushing me in another direction immediately. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of of two minds about this here, right? Um, something that I think would be fun would be a, a lot of powerful organizations arise out of imagine if if they arise out of like a union right a bunch of workers of a similar type you know it's a bunch of dock workers say they're all tough guys they all feel like they're not getting a a fair shake at things and they say we want to take control of this and we want to find a way to get a bigger piece of the pie for ourselves right um and they kind of band together and they say if the law isn't going to help us then we have to work outside the law i think that's an interesting sort of starting point for mm-hmm. a group like this what if it was like a locksmith's union and all of these guys who are really really good at picking locks or building locks they get maybe the guys who installed all the locks all through the city hey. come together and they say hey we can help anybody rob anything because we know exactly what type of key we have copies of all the keys we mm-hmm. installed all the locks we know how many and what type of lock are on every single door in this city and so they kind of hold the keys to the city so to speak cool uh, which I, I think is a really fun source I'm I'm bummed that I am not going to use an AI version but the more I'm talking about this the more I'm really invested in the locksmithing union definitely uh, I like that <laughs> a lot um, so I feel like you need to come up with a who is the figurehead of this yeah. locksmith uh, gang it's got to be John Locke John Locke that's why they call him Locks oh my god because Locke is <laughs> oh my god are we talking about uh, earthly uh, historical John Locke or are we talking about lost John Locke see now this is what I was talking about earlier Piper when is you can just drawing steal inspiration the, yeah you can just steal <laughs> all of that baggage from real life or fictional characters that people know so I just want you to imagine a guy who's just as cool as John Locke from Lost and just as cool as John Locke the guy who wrote all of those like papers during the American Revolution about uh, you know whatever was it, it was the American Revolution it was something like that I, I don't, don't know. think it was <laughs> I don't think he was American <laughs> whatever important uh, philosopher probably I know who John Locke is oh trust my god me. do some research <laughs> anyway I'm thinking of Thomas Paine the author of Common Sense I believe okay uh, which was in a, yeah now you don't know what we're talking about piper how does it feel i do i'm just <laughs> I've, I've got lots of speculation in my voice <laughs> uh, all right so my inability to uh, un- uh explain who john locke actually is historically <laughs> aside uh that that's his name and i don't care <laughs> I'm taking the lazy way out of this one. Oh, my I God. I like John Locke. You know, it's like a silly superhero name like that, where the, the name kind of has something to do with what their power, you know, Mr. Fantastic or whatever. Their their name has something to do with what they become. I think that's kind of poetic and fun. And if you don't, I don't care. Okay. Would you like the quick Wikipedia description of who John Locke was? Yes, actually, I would very much like that. Okay. John Locke was an English philosopher and physician widely regarded as one of the most influential enlightenment thinkers and commonly known as the father of liberalism okay i was he was english i said philosopher (laughs) well i'll tell you what piper we were all english during the revolution that's why we had a revolution so i think i'm still right here wow okay (laughs) okay so how does your fantasy john Locke? first of all does his race matter do you want to give him a race i so I think there's a couple different directions we could go with this here right so Um, i feel like if you're going off of a bunch of locksmiths uh, then... it, it would make sense for them to be gnomes. They're tinkerers. Oh, right? I was going to say they could be a variety of different races, but that makes sense too. Whatever you want to do, it's maybe your creation. It's some, yeah, you know what? I think it's maybe more interesting for it to be maybe that. So that could be kind of a cool thing where they 
entry into this coalition requires you to have this particular set of skills, right? But they don't care what your background is otherwise. They don't care if you're a human or an orc or an elf. Like, I think that they are, you know, equal opportunity. They're, they're progressive in that way, right? They're not, they're not racist or exclusive or xenophobic or anything like that. They just want you to have this particular set of skills because that's what they need to make use of you. Mm -hmm. And I think in that way, they would be very, like, utilitarian. Um, and so if you can come in and prove yourself in sort of like this meritocracy of the locksmiths union, mm -hmm. then you can find a way for yourself here. And I think that would maybe be something that people kind of, I think this wouldn't be a secret organization like fully. I mean, in, in like criminal settings, people would be well aware of them. Maybe your day to day people wouldn't be aware, but I think that would be something that other criminals would view them as sort of noble because of that. They would say, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're bad guys, but you sort of have a code and you want to give everybody a fair shake. And that's sort of what you stand for. I think that's interesting. Cool. So, okay. If these guys, they can, they've got the keys to the city, essentially, led by Jean yes. Locke. Yes. Um, oh, I, you know what? That's better. Jean Locke. Jean Locke. Jean Locke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jean Locke Picard. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, okay. So then I have to ask, how do they, how do they make their money? I mean, what do they, do they threaten people by saying it's like, well, we can unlock any door. We can take whatever we want. No, I think what it is, is they, so during the day, I think they would just operate as normal locksmiths, mm -hmm. right? They're installing locks. They're repairing locks. They're, you know, getting into locks that people lost the keys for. And I think by night, maybe they're selling these secrets. Maybe they're more about trading information than actually doing things themselves. They say, we know there's a group of thieves in town that wants to, you know, get the, the heart of the ocean or the baseball diamond or whatever, whatever big important jewel there is that's locked in Buckingham Palace. And they would say, well, you know, we just happen to know that you need a key that looks just like this and they'll sell you the you know the schematics for a key or they'll sell you the you know information about what locks are going to be there so you can know what tools you need to take with to get through okay uh, i think that's kind of their main thing is their sort of information trade and they choose what information is okay to sell and mm -hmm. what information is like we need to maintain deniability and we need to maintain our actual reputation as locksmiths and not just have it seem like we're the crappiest locksmiths that anybody can break our locks you know? <laughs> i think that would be an interesting conflict in internally within this organization definitely okay cool um so i got my prompt word mm. And what is it? The way that you've been talking about how they, that your organization, the the League of Locksmiths, yes, uh, can the League of Extraordinary Locksmiths, Piper, beautiful yeah. with uh, Jean Locke, <laughs> Jean Locke, Jean Locke Picard <laughs> as their leader. Um, the way, uh, so I feel like I have a good foil to uh, your group of people because yeah. one of the things we talked about uh, ahead mm. of the show is that what Sam and I are going to be creating are kind of two rival groups, yes, uh, that operate crime uh, within. The this city Same or kingdom. Yeah. Um, and so the word that I got was climb. And Ooh. I'm going to use this word to develop something about this kingdom or this city where this takes place. I feel as if this is a very large like metropolis for a medieval setting. Yeah, and I agree with that. that there are lots of very, very tall buildings because I think from the way that the city was built, it became a rite of 
you know, nobility or, or privilege to say, well, I have the money and the resources and the manpower to build my tower taller than yours. So there's, it's almost like a modern city in which yeah, there's okay. all these skyscrapers. Cool. But it's these different buildings that are very, very tall. And the wealthy people in power, they have taken their wealth away from the masses and they keep them in these tall towers that they have built. That sounds so familiar. I know, right? <laughs> and so uh, on the other side of town where your locksmith group you know, runs one side. We have then, let's say, do you want to be the west side? And I'll yeah, be the sure, east we'll side? Yeah, sure, we'll be the west side. The west okay. side is always the coolest side. You're the west side, yeah. boys. We're going to have some serious, like, gang snaps going on here. So the east side, boys, this this uh, this mob group has developed because these people are exceptionally good climbers. And that's kind of where everything started. Interesting. Is you, can, that, you can bypass a lot of our locks because you can just climb over the walls. Well, exactly. Yeah. I think that's where the kind of clash between our two yeah. uh, groups would evolve is that you guys are like we can lock anything up and my group is like we can get into anything and yeah. so they've kind of made an art I think they started off very small at first it was sort of like a traveling group of like acrobats cool. and like circus folk that came through town and they were like this is the ultimate challenge you know, we can like, climb these towers we can get into their little secret uh, places and we can take all the things that we need for sure I, I feel like being an acrobat is the like if you are an acrobat you are going to have you are either going to become a superhero or a supervillain. Right. Like that's just how it is. Like Bruce Wayne will find yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce Wayne will find you. Your parents will die and then you will become something greater. <laughs> Nobody just is like a mild-mannered acrobat that lives out their life and then dies of natural causes like happily next to their family. Right? <laughs> they always have some type of interesting explosive life. <laughs> so I think another thing that makes a good foil for my group versus yours is that if your guys during the day are all sort of like humble locksmiths i think maybe my people have eventually from all the gems that they've stolen they've established themselves and built themselves up as a sort of like noble like new money crime family yeah okay and so we're definitely like the uptown like people and we have we it's our it's been our tradition for like years to train um new acrobats and new climbers to climb and get into these places that no one else can go and that's cool. kind of our our ring is that we're we're essentially like cat burglars i guess yeah that we can get into any place and take whatever we want you you put on the the uh like fantasy ninja warrior competition every year to scope out <laughs> new talent to try and see who's worthy of of joining your ranks of acrobats right so <laughs> yeah. i feel like in the um in the west side story of the fantasy city that yeah. we're creating here um yeah. the rival gangs the um uh what the montagues and the capulets yeah. um mine i think would definitely be sort of more the they used to be street urchins, but they've built themselves up to this kind of high class okay. role. And so now they like stick their noses up at your organization and they're like, we've been doing this for a hundred years. So I think that's interesting. What? Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying you guys are the old school ones and my guys are the new ones. Well, we're the ones who have... We're maybe we've all been doing this for a long time, yeah. but our my group has built themselves into society as okay. figureheads of yeah. You're you're known as like traveling performers or something. You're sort of not anymore. Not Those anymore. are our roots. Yeah, okay. we used to be traveling. Now we've established ourselves in this very tall city where cool. all of our our sneak thieves and our our 
our so, gangsters are the ones who can climb into any place. Something that I think is kind of interesting about this is that you can kind of hide your activities in plain sight a little bit. Because whether you are known as performers now, I think there would still be this sort of public perception of, oh, they, you know, they, they kind of do tricks and they show off and like it's it's entertainment, right? And you could reasonably have somebody from your guild, you know, show up and say, hey, I'm putting on a show just like the old days, right? And climb over a wall and people would just go, oh, <laughs> oh look at that. Isn't that fun? He's climbing up the wall. <laughs> uh, anyway, back back to what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think there's kind of an interesting aspect of being able to be accepted in the light of day by society for what you're doing because people maybe don't fully comprehend well i think the, there the needs to be to, for like any good organization there needs to be layers so there yeah, are like yeah. the the people in control the figureheads at top uh and they don't do these kind of big scale operations anymore they have the underlings beneath them who do these things for them yeah. and they get a majority of the the profit from these robberies yeah. that they conduct um but so then they have there are the people on the street who appear to just be you know your everyday sort of like jugglers and tightrope walkers and someone would not necessarily assume that those people are connected to the heads who like live in the big tower yeah, okay. uptown but actually yes they are connected all together because they're the ones who like yes no we've trained you and you go and you do these things for yeah, us yeah, yeah. and we take care of you and that's kind of their organization and what they're built around i mean you've just built fantasy capitalism kind of again hell it's, yeah you know? <laughs> good old money money yeah, money money money. It's, it's interesting you know like yeah the, the people at the top who make all the money from all the people below them who do all of the dirty work right I, but, that's interesting I, yeah so that is actually like is fantasy america that yeah, is like oh sure. maybe you could build your way up to my position well, one day son <laughs> i think that is a really interesting way to sort of have conflict between the two groups like ideologically i think our groups would be opposed because the structure of yours is more that there's people at the top and mm -hmm. then there's people beneath them that kind of work for them. And by definition, the fact that this kind of grew from a union and it's about equality between all its members and that we all, you know, we all have a job to do. And it's not about doing this job to feed up to one greater person. It's about every one of us looking out for each other. For the locksmiths. Which, yeah, exactly. For the locksmiths, which I, I think is something that would be a really interesting ideological kind like we would we would view you as like a scourge on the city we would say we need to take these guys down they can't, we cannot abide by this because they're not of the people even though they say they are they mm -hmm. walk amongst the people but they are not for us yeah uh, definitely. i think it would be really interesting that's that's how the the union of locksmiths would see you guys as like a threat to the city way beyond us going in and stealing some of the jewels so that's nice. interesting to me, yeah. I think. So one thing I think it's important to talk about here, too. So you've talked about how your guys can get anywhere and you're kind of um we've we were joking off air about how uh we like talking about mongers like someone who <laughs> who hawks different yes, wares yes it's um, just a funny word it's a great word so um your guys are essentially information mongers is yeah. kind of what you've established yeah, that they sure. know a lot of information yeah. and my guys i think definitely are more of the classic cat burglar trope in which they're yeah. after like valuable things like they steal gems and gold and yeah. paintings and artifacts and that's kind of how they build their wealth um so i think one thing that's important to discuss about this kingdom that we've developed is what are sort of what's sort of the battle for resources here are your do your locksmiths you can get in anywhere and you can get information who are you selling this info to yeah. where do you make your money so I think that is kind of interesting. I I sort of do view them now that we're establishing this 
kind of um, egalitarian, like union kind of for the people type thing. I am seeing them as a little bit more like Robin Hood esque. Mm -hmm. And I think they would pick and choose who they sell uh, information to based on who they want to steal from. So I think they would be happy to sell information about the rich people in town. So you can go and steal their gems and their, you know, their gold and all that stuff. But they would be loathe to sell information about someone from you know their station or lower they wouldn't want to harm the commoners mm -hmm. right um unless you know somebody made like a, a really great deal somebody offered them a you know a extravagant amount of money or some type of crazy reward um i sort of see this town as you know Maybe it makes sense to keep it simple and just say they have the same kinds of struggles as anybody else does. You know, people want food and shelter and clothing and they just need money to do that. So if we want to make it something as simple as that, as it's basically just about money, I think that's fine. Um, because I think that's kind of an easy common ground between both of our organizations. Mm -hmm. um, that it's just about controlling that one most fundamental of resources. Yeah. Cash. Because I feel like our two gangs wouldn't necessarily do a lot of clashing if my organization is mostly focused on, you know, these these burglars who are adept at climbing these tall towers and stealing from the other wealthy individuals. Yeah. Um. But so maybe, okay, so maybe this is what it is. Maybe my organization, that's how they built themselves up that's yeah. how they created this crime like empire but and then they were like well we can't keep stealing from our fellow neighbors because yeah. that it would we would be exposed and we have to like keep our cover and so maybe they started like becoming a almost like an agency to like ship out their like their talented like climbers and burglars to other kingdoms Interesting. to say do you need someone who can like get into an impossible tower and like conduct this theft for you we'll send you an individual who can do that you just have to give us a portion of the profit cool okay so maybe that's what they do and so they i think they they're I think there should be at this state in this city an understanding between my organization and yours yeah. that we don't really clash. But we, I think by the end of this episode, we need to come up with something that would cause a great yeah. schism. There, there's like a tacit peace right now, just right. sort of like an uneasy peace. Maybe we sell information to you guys sometimes. If you want to, it's kind of, it could be like sort of a corporate espionage type thing, right? Yeah. Like the one high tower wants to steal from the other high tower because they want to try and balance out each other's wealth. They don't want one to get too powerful. I like the phrase yeah. high tower. I think yeah. that should be the name of my organization. That's cool. The high tower. High tower. What is yours? Uh, the, it's. I think it's the 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 union of locksmiths or the guild of locksmiths. Do you the want something guild. more creative than that? That's creative. <laughs> Well, it's very no, straightforward. I, I, that's and that's what I kind of like about it is, I, like I said, I like the idea that they're sort of humble and mm -hmm. that it's this very just kind of egalitarian, like of the people. It's it's not that they view themselves as heroes. I think they do sort of see it as helping to promote kind of a balance. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think they would necessarily try to establish this, you know, huge like cult of personality, like edifice to themselves. I think they just are they. A fundamental part of their identity is that they have a job that mm -hmm. they actually do and they utilize the skills and resources that are made available to them through doing this job to do this other thing on the side. So yeah. I think their identity as locksmiths is the most important thing for them. The more I think yeah. about it, the more I feel as if our two groups would actually have a lot to benefit from yeah, one another. Yeah, certainly. Um, and in fact, I was just thinking now about how like 
I was saying that my organization, so the High Tower, has become they've built up sort of their organization that they they send out operatives to different places in impossible tasks to you know yeah. do these robberies yeah. or these these thieves. Uh, whatever robberies you know what i'm <laughs> talking about heists heists exactly yeah. um but maybe a situation would arise in which because i think they're very organized at this point they've been doing it for a long time yeah. and they get contacted by a potential client and they go to assess the situation and they say well i've got 10 men who could easily scale that tower for you and get inside but the the you know what the treasure you're looking for is behind a lock that i cannot break um, so we actually need to call a I think maybe there's been sort of like a spoken truce within the city that we we stick to our sides of the city. We don't mess with one another. Yeah. And I think there needs to be a, a situation in which the head of Hightower calls on the head. We call on um, <laughs> Jean Locke. Yeah, Jean Locke. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. To meet and to say, I need to seek your resources. I need okay. a man from who is your best locksmith. I want to know if you want to go in on this operation with me so you know what about this maybe this is kind of like the origin story of our alliance is that they, you had to rely on us at one point to help mm-hmm. you with something and it turned into this this kind of partnership where we'll give you the secrets to things to you know to find ways to get over the walls or to know where the locks are so you have to know the areas to avoid or you can buy a way to get through the lock or whatever but if you get captured you can pay us extra to come and pick the lock and get you out right Mm -hmm. and so maybe there's this event where you know you you buy this insurance from us right you say we're going to try and rob this place and if we get captured we need you to show up at this time to break us out of jail by picking the lock and when we get there the police are ready and waiting for us and we view that as oh they betrayed us they're trying to you know come in on our on our turf they want to control the whole city themselves they don't want to rely on the union of locksmiths anymore they just want to be the acrobats leading everything from up in the high towers right but really it was a third party that basically set this up to to put us at odds so maybe we have and that a, began the great divide exactly and so it's somebody else is vested in this schism between our two guilds. I like that because yeah. I feel like if our two crime syndicates were working so well together, somebody, yeah. some outside party said, I can be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Like if I divide these two very powerful sources, I can get in and like It creates from a it. space for me to come in and have my own you yeah. know, piece of the action. So, um, by the way, I was just thinking, I feel like our city here should be called um, the City of Lock Tower. What do you cool. think of that? That sounds cool. Yeah. Lock Tower. I feel like during their time of peace, when these syndicates worked well together, yeah. this was a very wealthy city and it was a great place for treasure and secrets and it was because it was controlled by these two powerful crime families yeah they were they stole so many things from other cities and collected them all here it's kind of this museum city essentially that houses all of these these fine arts and relics and artifacts and things like that from all over the world that were stolen and brought here right and so that's cool the city of lock tower used to be known for it's it was like the greatest most profitable city ever um but now there was that there was that great schism and now it's become this very dangerous place because these rival gangs are always like at each other's throats and there's a sort of i think there should be a kind of unspoken like territory amongst the city to say if you take one wrong step in the wrong side of town someone's going to like kill you on site because it's become that sort of that tension has built up 
And it's all like this kind of misunderstanding. I think this would be a really interesting position to kind of place the party in is you come into this town and depending on the composition of your party, you know, if you have a, a rogue in your party, say, who is really good at acrobatics and climbing on things, maybe they would be viewed at viewed as a friend to one to high tower to the high tower yeah one one gang versus the other or if they're more about sneaking around and picking locks they would be friends with the union of of locksmiths but Mm -hmm. either way you're kind of forced to choose a side here and maybe your party is the the group that comes in and discovers hold on there's somebody else behind this behind the scenes pulling all the strings and trying to set up this conflict yeah uh that could be a really really fun adventure is ferreting out who who stands to benefit from these two sides being at each other's throats. Exactly. Yeah. Although one thing that I love about this is the concept that a party would come in and they would solve this like kingdom's issue. Yeah. And then the two leaders would be like, thank you. you we're buddies now. We're going to go back to our organized crime, but we're working <laughs> together. And meanwhile, For someone's sure. getting like shot in the background yeah. in an alleyway. And it's like, give them the concrete shoes, boys. You've made us more effective at stealing from people again. Thank you. Yes. As they're taking your watch out of your wallet, like or your, your watch out of your pocket. <laughs> Exactly. You're like, did we do good? I don't know. (laughs) It would be the only adventure you could complete where it would cost you money to complete it. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I think that's really good. Yeah, Um, that's a. It's it's. I was expecting this to be something where we would have to have like a nasty rivalry, but I kind of like the idea that they start as friends and the rivalry is just an event in their history. And exactly. it gives a conflict that the, the adventuring party fits into in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to solve this in whatever way you want. You could choose to ally yourself with one side or the other and mm-hmm. say, well, maybe we should just let the locksmiths take over. Maybe we should just let the acrobats take over. Or you could try and resolve this peacefully. Or maybe you try and get rid of both of them. Yeah. You say, I don't like that this is a crime place a crime I, I, place yeah. <laughs> i want to get rid that of all this do. corruption yeah <laughs> that would take a very long time i'm yes. sure <laughs> to rid an entire crime infested city to rid a place of its crime of all yeah. of its criminals <laughs> from the crime place yeah or maybe you know maybe even your party is the the third party that's orchestrating this schism you know there's there's so many interesting angles to attack that this would from, be I interesting think. if somebody yeah. oh my gosh okay that's a great plot idea i think yeah. if somebody came to your party and said uh there is this like the city that i come from my hometown it is so corrupt by crime and it's because this one organization is too strong can you break up the organization and then things will be fine and you guys go in and you break up the organization but guess what it was a relatively peaceful agreement between two crime parties and you breaking it up causes this huge like like power vacuum yeah Yeah, yeah. that happens that would be great and it's like oh dang it's sort of the uh, the um, it, it makes me think a little bit of the uh, a fistful of dollars situation mm-hmm. where um, uh, Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, is hired by two different families that are kind of fighting each other to work for each of them, and he sort of plays them against each other so he can just keep getting paid by each of them, right? Secretly, <laughs> like I, yeah, there's there's so many interesting implications here. So I think that's probably a fun place to step away from this i think so too and hand the reins of this adventure over to our listeners and uh encourage you guys to you know give us your feedback what direction do you think is most interesting to take this we would love to hear what you can do with this how you build upon this what major figures uh what characters have you come up with that you think would fit into this conflict interestingly that would be important kind of 
you know, centers of power in this conflict. Definitely. Yeah. You know what I kept thinking about when describing my Hightower clan was um, Sam and I have been watching um, the animated... No, we've been watching Batman Beyond. Yes, yeah. Which is super great. Yeah. And totally... Re- re- totally would recommend that um but there is a reoccurring uh villain group in it where it's like everyone they're all kind of like themed like a deck of cards oh yeah yeah do you know what I, that family I don't remember is what called? called but they're, they're called like the like royal flush or something yeah it's the it's the <laughs> royal like family that. or something yeah I, I but there's there's yeah. a, a king of hearts a queen a joker an ace all these yeah. things um but i keep thinking well, there of that. the joker is the only one that there isn't right they're, but yes yeah, they omit it, the joker yeah a jack there was yeah. a jack um but they're all like card themed but they're very yeah. like aristocratic thieves yeah and that's kind of what i've been picturing is that these very like hoity-toity high and mighty For like sure. uh villains who yeah yes they've just perfected their art of thievery i like that so yeah, yeah so hey go go watch batman beyond too. Definitely. that's a that's a great recommendation as well rec, rec room, room. Uh, what else do we have for the rec room? Well, you want to step in there? I think before we step into the rec room, I do want to say, if you do want to share your ideas for uh, this story, please reach out to us on yes. Twitter yes. at WorldForgePod or send us an email at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. We would love to hear all of your ideas for how to build on this, how to resolve this story, or how to you know, make this a, a spiraling out of control fiasco of a conflict that uh you know becomes much bigger than this uh that would be really really fun for us to hear so please consider reaching out to us uh on on one of those two platforms and we would love to uh kind of play play along absolutely with what you got going on so please do yeah but you are correct piper in uh <laughs> pointing out that it is now time to step on into the rec room here oh boy uh and this week on the rec room we want to talk about surprise bordock empire do it. Um, watch it. Yeah, go watch it. It's really fun. It, it's uh, all on HBO. So if you have an HBO subscription, you can get it. Um, it's also, uh, I mean, it's easy to find. You can go to Best Buy or whatever and buy it. It's not like it's a, you know, a little small indie show that you're going to have a hard time ferreting out. Uh, it was pretty well received, made a decent amount of money. I think it's it's pretty easy to come by. But if you are looking for inspiration for a fun criminal character, a fun bad guy, or even you just want to have a good time and watch a, a great show. Uh, Bordock Empire is so much fun. Um, I mean, we've definitely found it inspiring. Yeah, we absolutely have. We, uh, we talked about Richard Harrow, one of our favorite characters from that show last week, the sniper who's missing half his face. He's really Did we cool. talk about him last week? Yeah, we talked about him last week on, uh, maybe not last week, maybe a, maybe a different week. We talked about him recently. I don't think we did, because I was just going to say, I don't. we haven't really touched on Richard and he's the best. I 100% talked about him on a recent episode, but I don't remember which one it was. Okay, yeah. well, <laughs> he's the whole reason that I'm sticking around for everything. I mean, I love yeah. everything about boardwalk but mostly i'm there for richard because i'm just like he needs love yeah. he's no, such sure. a cool badass There's... who deserves a woman to fall in love with him all of these like murderers and thieves are somehow very sympathetic they're so sympathetic uh, it's it's great uh these just very like powerhouse characters in in every way i uh, think it's hilarious so we keep uh when watching this we keep comparing it to breaking bad because that was a big show that sam was very adamant that we watch <laughs> and it's a big movie it's a big I, show i for had sam. seen it and you had not seen it i had so, not yeah, seen it to share it yeah. and i was from the beginning i was like i don't think this is for me it just seems like not kind of my scene and sam's like we should watch it we did and i recognize that it is a very high quality show but tone wise it was not my favorite just because yeah. it's very depressing and sad yeah. and i wasn't like oh that's not really what i'm looking Which, for uh, frequent but- listeners may be shocked to hear that piper the one who always gives our show a dark turn doesn't like depressing and sad 
and see, okay, the thing though is, and I've said this to you many times, Sam, is that the difference for me is, is that like I can take depressing things if it's not in a contemporary setting. So if it's in a contemporary setting, it feels as if it's forcing me to face all of the real sadness that's currently going on in the world. And I'm like, I consume entertainment for escapism. That's my personal, maybe not healthy way of digesting media, (laughs) but it's what I like to do. And so when things are sad in different time periods, I'm like, ah, it's fine. It's not now. But when it's sad in current time periods, I'm like, oh, God, like everything's awful. So that's just kind of my different approach to it. That's totally fair. Um, But we have been, uh, while watching Boardwalk, there have been, I mean, there's many a murder. There's many a violent action that's happened. And I just, every time something happens like that, I look at Sam and I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm (laughs) so in love with this awful thing that just happened because it's epic. It's so good. So it has me hooked every step of the way. It is it is phenomenal. So, yeah, go go check out Boardwalk Empire, please. We would love that. Uh, next, Piper, I think it's time to take a little dip in the thank tank. Time, time for a sploosh. Yes. Um, <laughs> Who's our first big sploosh here, Piper? <laughs> stop it. I will never stop. It's so gross. Okay, so our first big thank you is for our very good friends, uh, Monsters and Multiclass uh, mm. on Twitter. And they are doing... Well, first of all, they gave us an incredible shout out yes. uh, saying that they liked our show a whole bunch. Um, and we had joked about making a bingo card on a last episode. Yes. And um, the main person who oversees yeah, their Jared, Twitter Jared. account, um, he started making one for us. And so that's incredible. Thank you yeah. so much. Oh, that was so lovely. We love that you're doing that. I'm making you some art in return. So. They shared a really nice um, comment with us too this week, I think as well. They, they uh, I think on like Follow Friday or something, they promoted us on Twitter and they had something really nice to say. I don't remember. If, I don't know if you have it in front of you or anything like that. Yeah. He said, this has been my go-to binge of the apocalypse wildly imaginative piper and sam bring mundane concepts to the table and they're hilarious so thank you so much thank you so much that's That's awesome super nice and they also have a really awesome podcast of their own which is a lot of fun they talk about uh interesting multi-class builds uh in dungeons and dragons and how to combine a monk with a sorcerer or a druid with a you know, a barbarian or like, you know, they just do all kinds of weird little experiments with building characters. So uh, they're a ton of fun. You should go check them out. That's uh, monsters underscore multi on Twitter, I believe is their handle. So yes, uh, for sure, go and, and give them a listen and give them a follow and, and give them your patronage just in general. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. guys. So big, Sploosh. big thank you to you yes. dudes. Um, also, we want to say a thank you to uh, Noel Vampire on yes. Twitter, who is holy cannoli. Um, and they also just gave us a really nice yeah. uh, follow Friday the other day. Uh, they said, I am going to shout out a podcast that is new to me, uh, but wonderful World, World Forge has two brilliant world builders <laughs> that are very well versed with their topics. Thank you yeah. very much, Holy Cannoli. Uh, we really appreciate your thank support. You. And thank you again for uh, Holy Cannoli. You may remember as one of our contributors from last week who shared one of their dreams with us, uh, which was a lot of fun. They had the dream about the... Uh, a uh, motorcycle riding bad guy who was yeah. smashing into the walls. Which trying to, inspired trying to our yeah. uh, dream warden and yes. dream prison. So, so thank aces. You. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that was that's great. A, that's a big sploosh right there in the thing tank. <laughs> I do not approve of sploosh. It's gross. All right. Well, thank you, uh, all of you listeners. Um, here to for mentioned and otherwise for your listenership and for your support and for giving us all of your really really fun ideas on our our 
crime lords and bad guys and our dreams last week and everything else. Uh, again, if you want to find more of us and reach out to us, Piper, where can where can we be found on, on the World Wide Web? Well, if you want to send us comments or feedback or praise, you can message us on Twitter. We are World Forge Pod uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at World Forge Pod. You can also send us emails if you want to send us our very your very elaborate scripts that yes. you've been writing of your Godfather remake, but with fantasy <laughs> um, at worldforgepod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, and of course, we're on all listening platforms, and you can write us a review because that makes our day, yeah. and it makes us very happy. It also is a really great way to help promote our podcast and get us in front of new listeners. If you enjoy what we do here and you want others to enjoy it as well, uh, that's a really, really easy and free way to promote our show. Uh, you can do it right in app with most podcatchers. So uh, if you want to give us a little five-star review and say something nice about us, it just it means a lot. It fills our day with joy and also it helps to fill other people's days with joy because it makes it more easy for them to find our show in the future. So uh, we will uh, get going now, I think. And uh, it's, it's getting kind of late here. So we're going to we're going to say goodbye for now. Thank you again for listening. And we will be back again next week with another exciting topic for you. Absolutely. And if you're going to create your own crime syndicates, we want to hear your recordings of your best Mobster voice. Hey, see. So <laughs> Absolutely. send those our, our way yeah. as well. Send us a little MP3 of, of you doing an Al Capone impression. We'd love that. It'd be uh, fabulous. We'll, we'll look out for that. And uh, we will see you again later, listeners. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.